Everybody, welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two sports quote-unquote professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting. But we like to have fun, keep things loose, a lot to get to today. And as always, shout out JD Masters and Buddha, Man in the Mirror, our intro-outro music. Go check them out, YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream your music, anywhere you stream our podcast, like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher. Go find JD Masters and Buddha, friends of the program, friends of ours. Evan, hello, happy Friday. Evan Ryer, six foot one, weighing in on uh, on an April Fool's Day. So that's what I'm going to start putting in all my, my Tinder and Hinge bios is that I'm above six foot. Maybe you'll do the same too. We're just a couple of short kings. But uh, I've already been bamboozled once today, Ev, and uh, it's just it's the classic wake up, forget that it's April Fool's Day, and you read these headlines and you're like, oh, fuck me. You know, did I really think Julian Edelman was going to the Bucks? Yes, I did for about three minutes. <laughs> and I felt like a fucking idiot afterwards. Well, you know, as uh, as as – as good of a story as it would have been for Julian Edelman to go to the Bucks, uh, yeah, that's uh, you gotta be you gotta be on your toes, Dom. You know you gotta you gotta keep your gun on your hip, you know your your spurs off the ground, and uh, and and your and your hat you know perfectly placed on your head because they are they're they're pulling them out today, folks. And uh, I hate it personally. I've never been a fan of April Fools. I think April Fools is a uh, it's basically a day for unfunny people to be like unfunny without consequence, um, which is why this podcast's best numbers always come on April Fools. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but uh, no, uh, so you know, I mean, it's it's fine. Just uh, I'm happy. I've kind of got like a busy day because it means like okay, I'm just gonna be like you know like I I I can I I don't have to be getting tricked all the. I feel like I feel like it loses its luster after like maybe like the sixth grade. Ev, I don't really, like the, for me. I lost all interest in it as well after like kind of like when I hit puberty. I felt like I was like, oh, you know what? I have a lot of other things in my life I want to you know put my interest in uh, rather rather than April Fool's Day jokes for one time of the year to dump cold water on all my family members in the shower and like put tape on all the faucets in the kitchen or uh, you know on the sprayer so it just shoots water out at you like that's some that's some hooligan stuff and I kind of I kind of got out of that stage pretty early on in my life and uh, my parents were very happy about it true true well Dom you know uh you you may have grown up a little bit not much but you know a little bit (laughs) I'm a work, work in progress I would uh, describe myself as the same, and let me tell you, speaking of works in progress, we're in the NFL offseason, and, you know, the teams are building, and, you know, oh, it's like, oh, we're slowing down, we're finally getting past free agencies, you know, first wave and stuff, and then, bang, 
uh, Bruce Arians stepping out of the head coaching position for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, stepping into a, it literally says like consultant, like is the job title for the front office. So it sounds like, you know, he's going to be uh, for the, for the Bucks front office. So it sounds like he's going to be involved, but you know, I mean, if you're a consultant, I'm, I'm curious to see how involved are you really? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, I, like I, I, I can't, I can't imagine a guy like Bruce Arians. You know, I, I don't think he was at that point in his in his career where he felt like it was time for him to step away by any means. I mean, he had just won a Super Bowl two seasons ago. He was going to get Tom Brady back. Tampa Bay had a lot of key pieces that returned uh, to help kind of complement Tom on the offense. So it was a little baffling to me because it's it, 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 there's definitely something more behind this. Um, that I, I've been reading, and there's just a lot of speculation, rumors, obviously, all the stuff that goes along with this kind of thing. I will say, though, to Bruce Arians' credit, this consultant role, Ev, to me, and I think we've heard this kind of term be thrown out in, in different cases uh, across even all levels of football, both professional and, and collegiate, and I've seen it myself. Your responsibility goes down, and yeah, your pay probably goes down, you know, pretty significantly from a head coach to a consultant. But Bruce Arians is also an NFL veteran. Like his presence in a front office environment is pretty vital, to you know, believe it or not. And in terms oh, yeah. of you know uh, the NFL that has that has put so much emphasis on like the Rooney Rule and, and, and prioritizing hiring women. I mean, Bruce Arians was already doing all that kind of stuff. So again, that ups his value. This consultant role, long story short, really is is I, I think the best thing you could go into if you can get over the fact you're not going to be the head coach. If you get over that loss, I mean, this sounds like a pretty sweet gig. I don't know all the ins and outs, but I mean, if Bruce wants to step down as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers consultant, hire me next. I'm I'll step on board. I'm ready for that. Yeah, I mean that's a, I mean that's a dream gig. I mean truly, like I, I have a friend right now that's uh, doesn't work in sports but works in finance, and they always look at like gigs of like, well, you know, I'm gonna make more money technically, you know, by by being a part of the organization full time, but I could have worked so much less and make like almost the same amount of money being a consultant. I'm like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, why wouldn't you just like exactly work 20 hours a week and just get paid like pretty well and, and, and just chill. Um, but, uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, I think, um, I think, uh, I think, you know, it's a, it's a sound, you know, decision. I, I, I think we all kind of expected if anything, this off season, yeah, I mean, obviously when the Bucks lost, that's kind of what drove the Brady retirement rumors. But, you know, if anything, I expected Arians to leave this offseason, not Brady. So, I mean, we're kind of getting that in a way now. And Todd Bowles getting his uh, next chance as a, you know, NFL head coach. And, I mean, you know, you couldn't really be asking for a better scenario to kind of, you know, take your second opportunity. And probably what – I mean, if he flames out with the Bucks, I mean, that's probably it for him in terms of NFL head coaching job opportunities. So. A uh, little bit of pressure, but at the same time, I mean, the Bucks are a very good team, and NFC South is not a f- especially great division. So, I mean, I, I think the Bucks still roll through that division this year. Well, that was going to be kind of my next question to you is, you know, because we, we know Todd Bowles as a very, very sound defensive coordinator, very talented in that position, but I've also seen him on the sidelines as the head coach in the New York Jets, and it was awful. I mean, it was a terrible experience for everybody involved. Uh, I like it personally makes me happy that Todd Bowles is back, especially after the, all the sports the major sports books put the Bucks and the Bills as the top Super Bowl favorites for this upcoming season. Uh I, 
Todd Bowles leading a Super Bowl favorite team. Sounds like a recipe for uh, a disaster for the Bucks fans out there, but for fans like me and you who don't like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, sounds great. So while I think it's obviously the it's the it's the right move in succession to bring Todd Bowles into this role, I a lot I have a lot of question marks as to how how this is going to work out because it's like it's like we've seen this before. Are we really like how how much is it going to change? between New York Jets Todd Bowles and Tampa Bay Buccaneers Todd Bowles. He has much better personnel. I get that. Before people listening are like, yes, Tom Brady and Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Like, I get that. I know. I know he does. But but he is Todd Bowles at the end of the day. So we kind of have the jury. I guess, the, as they say, the jury is out a little bit, at least for me. Yeah. That's how I feel. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. You know, we'll find out fairly uh, fairly soon here in about six months. And, and uh you know, I mean, it's uh, the you know the the fact that a lot of the continuity is still maintained is what's crucial, though. What would be interesting is if we then saw like a bunch of different staff members leaving. You know what I mean? But Arians decided to do it at the end of kind of the head coaching search and all that stuff. You know, the timing was pretty interesting uh, on his part to wait until like you know basically April, you know, late March. Um, that was kind of a you know, that's why I think a lot of people are talking like, oh, is Brady forcing him out or whatever? I don't think it's that deep. I love the conspiracy theories. They're definitely you oh, know, of course. Who, I mean, who doesn't, but, right? But I don't think it's that deep. I think maybe they, they aren't super tight, but like, I don't think it's a case of, I don't think it was a power struggle that Arians lost there. Um, Dom, just because we do have a lot on the docket, I also want to just go ahead and bring up that, uh, you know, we've got uh, Bobby Wagner. Going to the Los Angeles Rams. Bob Boom. Say what you want about the AFC. The AFC can build up all they want. They can get, you know, all the different teams can have good quarterbacks. All the different teams can have good receivers. But at the end of the day, the good-ass NFC teams are really, really good. And the defending Super Bowl champs just got, I mean, I know Bobby Wagner's, a, you know, he, he he's pretty much officially past his prime, but I mean, he's 32, 31. I mean, he's got a few good years that he's going to, he's still going to be Bobby Wagner. So yeah. And I, and I think that reflects in the five-year deal that he signs. And the best analogy I saw when this released yesterday was the rich, ke- the rich gets richer. And in terms of what the Rams have kind of put as their identity as a team who kind of always is going to seem like they're in win now mode um you know the, the cap doesn't really affect them so to speak it, it, it's a logical pickup uh, and you go back to when they acquired Von Miller last year you know it's it's a it's a piece that they needed to bring uh veteran presence and skill to the linebacker room and you know more than maybe like a Von Miller like I, I definitely think Bobby has probably one or two more, at least, like I would call them elite Bobby Wagner kind of pro years. bowl, pro bowl type seasons. Exactly. Whereas least. maybe yeah. you know the the ceiling for Von Miller is a, is a little bit different, you know. And we talked about that a few episodes ago when he joined the Bills. Uh, a great pickup for the Rams, and, and like you said, yes, the the AFC has stacked up, and it's definitely separated itself as the the best conference in the NFL. But the teams that are on top of the NFC are going to be ultra competitive, and the Rams have definitely made sure that hey, we want to knock on the door of the NFC Championship game, NFC Championship game again, and we want to be back in the Super Bowl again. You know, they're they're looking at these sports books like hey, throw the Bucks, make them the favorites, all right? Make them twelve and a half game win favorites, right? Whatever, let them have that because I promise you, I promise you, Bobby Wagner is going to go get that ass. Against Tom Brady. Yeah. That's basically well, what they're saying. 
what I'm also, I mean, so what I'm thinking about with like with Wagner is, so you know, I know, I know that you know the Rams beat the beat the 49ers in the playoffs, and that's what we all remember, right? That's like the only thing that matters, or whatever. Um, however, before that game in the NFC Championship, which again, like a lot of people feel like the 49ers blew rather than the Rams, like necessarily, you know, outright won. The 49ers have beaten the Rams six straight times and basically was just running the ball at will on them. That was like the one thing that the 49ers did not want mm-hmm. was teams that could really run the ball well going at them. And that's, right. you know, their number one rival in the division is the 49ers. Bobby Wagner will go a long way to limiting some of those runs, man. Oh, absolutely. Like, Bobby Wagner will be an absolute, you know, just like a, a, a like exploding through that line and, and, and making plays and, and you know, limiting uh, Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel to, you know, maybe two-yard pickups rather than six or seven, and that, that goes a long way. So, I mean, it definitely makes sense in that regard, too, that I was thinking about. It was like, okay, yeah, you guys have to deal with – the 49ers are your number one threat. Like, they had the Cardinals number. They beat the Cardinals all – like, they, they split or beat the Cardinals all the time. The Seahawks, I mean, I you know, they're kind of just not even relevant right now in a way so mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i i think it's a fantastic pickup i still think there's maybe some i don't know i i feel like they could still maybe use another corner uh to go opposite of Jalen ramsey but green haley had a good year last year so well and, uh, and the cornerbacks are pretty deep in this year's draft so they might be thinking you know it, it right. might be the very the very rare rams thing of being like hey we're gonna go look at somebody we can establish for the future which i think obviously would be a uh, you know a, a smart move there you brought up the seahawks which is good because i kind of just wanted to touch on them a little bit for the first time in what seems like a long long time i mean the seahawks are very much now in clear rebuild mode and in terms of just parity among the nfl like you go back five six years Ev. i mean like we're talking seattle seahawks winning super bowls right like it's it's amazing to me the, the the over decade long of progression that the seahawks have gone through to now be at the point where they're at and it, it's 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 not a bad thing i mean teams have to go into rebuild mode and you kind of already knew that when russ went to denver when uh bobby wagner was getting chopped around and you knew his future in seattle wasn't certain that this was going to be a, a time of rebuild that was going to forthcome for Seattle. But now that it's actually staring us in the face right now, it's like, wow, it's almost feels like an end of an era, honestly, uh, up up in the Pacific Northwest, you know? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's uh it's also interesting too that, you know, because I mean, it makes sense that he's still around, but typically when you go this deep on like tearing stuff down, like I mean, your head coach in front office isn't staying the same, but obviously in Seattle, Pete Carroll is around and and uh, probably will be for at least another few years. I mean, uh, he'll he'll if anything, it seems like he'll probably see out the rebuild process and then hand it off at like the kind of current rate. I mean, he's he's in his seventies. I mean, he's he's getting up there, but um, so it's uh it, it is interesting. I mean, after being what from pretty much like I would say like oh seven to like probably like 2018, 2019. I mean, the Seahawks have been, 
you know, really consistent. Like maybe not Super Bowl contenders every single year, but you always knew you were going to have a tough game against the Seahawks. And that was a large part of that was Bobby Wagner was there for a large period of that time. Right. You know, I mean, you know, uh, the Legion of Boom and all that stuff. And now pretty much every member of that defense is gone now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll be curious. It, that was the thing, too, is like people were like saying it's like, oh, well, you know, it's like the Rams are hurting the, the Seahawks while getting Bobby Wagner. It's like. The Seahawks were losing Bobby Wagner no matter what. There was yeah. no way they were bringing him back. I mean, of course, it's nice to have him yourself, but like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like it was like, oh, let's convince him to come away from Seattle and come to L.A. instead. Yeah, I think uh, from the very beginning, that was more than clear, that Bobby Wagner was not going to be a Seattle Seahawk uh, come, come this upcoming season. I, I just I think we all kind of maybe thought it would have happened earlier, right? Like kind of in the rush, in the prime of what the NFL free agency was. I think I, that's when I expected Bobby to go because – you know, he still has such a big name appeal to, you know, a defense that could be looking for that piece. But, you know, there's a, you know, so, so, sometimes that old saying of, like, good things come to those who wait. Well, Bobby's joining the defending Super Bowl jam. So, good on you, Mr. Wagner. Nicely done. So, an end of an era. End of an era there. Uh, Ev, what do you say we uh, switch up the talking point? Let's get into a little MLB because my phone is blowing up here. Because right before we recorded, Ev, we had breaking news come out of a pretty major trade happening in the MLB world right now. Yeah, uh, the NL, an NL powerhouse and an AL powerhouse are doing a straight up swap. Uh, the LA Dodgers are sending AJ Pollock to the Chicago White Sox uh, in exchange for Craig Kimbrell, which uh, is like, it's uh, that's that's a pretty wild deal. I mean, you know, I uh, I, I think it kind of makes sense in a way. Whereas, you know, the, the the White Sox, the number one thing that they could actually use is like a utility player that can play all over the field and you know can definitely go out there, bat above two fifty. And just, you know, and, and, and just get on base and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers lost Kenley Jansen. You know, their bullpen's a little less strong than it was, you know, like last year slash like last year kind of got exposed to a degree. So, you know, they needed to, uh, to to kind of shake things up. But it's just interesting that it's a straight up deal. You just see those so like those are so rare nowadays. You know what I mean? Like when it's like, oh, it's just this player for this player. Right. Like, I, and, well, I, and I think we're because we're so I mean, we just got done talking about the, the NFL free agency and the trades that have happened in the NBA. And you, you know, it, I think you see it. You see it every once in a while in the NBA. But baseball is really the only sport where I think you kind of see that on a more regular basis. But even then, it's rare. It's very few and far between that. You're not yeah, that, like that, maybe that, one a season or exactly, something. Exactly. Yeah. There's no cash value. There's no draft picks there's not a two for one happening here but I, I i think it makes sense here because both uh pollock is filling a role for chicago and kimbrell is filling a role for the dodgers and both of those organizations as we mentioned like they're they're kind of in the win now mode like these guys were playoff contenders last year teams that are going to going to contend for a pennant again what's going to get me the most wins Right now, let's go make that move. So, uh, I the the White Sox definitely have the better future outlook by getting, I think, Pollock. In my opinion, uh, Kimbrel's a little older, so it's going to yeah. be. I'm curious to see how much more that the Dodgers are going to get out of him past the season. But in terms of trying to go win a very competitive uh, NL West, the Dodgers have done a good job at least getting a reliable arm in that bullpen to help close out games. Yeah, I mean, now you're looking at, I mean, and you know, if you're if you're 
you know, when when Dave Roberts is going on the the Dan Patrick show and saying we're winning the World Series this year, you know, you kind of call your shot, and that's what the Dodgers always do. They expect to win it every year, but I mean. Just their bullpen right now. Craig Kimbrell, Blake Trinan, who's insane. Um, Daniel Hudson, Bruce Sargratterall, who throws a 102 uh, sinker. Um, Alex Vezia, Justin Burrell, Victor Gonzalez, Tyler Anderson, David Price, Dustin May, Danny Duffy, Tommy Cannell, and P- Phil Bickford. Um, just a lot of like a lot of like guys that even if you're not the biggest baseball fan in the world, like just just know that these are dudes that you absolutely hate seeing in you know innings seven or six through nine. Well, and, um, and the so. order the order that you read those name off, it was funny because like I think in like 2017, like everybody would have stopped and be like, oh, 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 oh David Price, right. <laughs> everybody would have lost their marbles, you know, a few years back. But again, I mean, that's just it, it goes to show it the 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 depth and the talent that the Dodgers have in their rotations and in their bullpen is it's scary, and that, that's why the Dodgers are the the Dodgers, and that's why who they are, and uh, you know they get they got another they got another good piece of that too i think they're gonna walk to the um to the nl west title this year like you know the i think the giants last year were a little bit of a one-off i don't really see them i don't see the giants winning 100 games again i'll put yeah, it this way well and we said that in the last episode we said if we had to pick a team that contended really well and did really really good last year we we oh. both said that the giants are probably the team that has a a a a, a a tail off, I guess, so to speak, and and I think it makes sense because the Dodgers do one thing really well <laughs> ever since as long as I can remember in the mid 2000s is they stay consistent, and that's what they do every single year, year in and year out. You know what you're going to get with the Dodgers, and that's what they're going to give you each and every night. So I'm kind of I'm kind of there, kind of there with you, unfortunately. Even though I'm a big fan of new teams and and parody and baseball and all that good stuff, I mean, I would love like. Eb, I would love to see Fernando Tatis in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see the Padres like be able to finish what they started last year and weren't able to complete. But that's a, that's a tall task when you have the the mighty monsters of the LA Dodgers in your division. It's uh it's it's a nightmare playing in the NL West or in the NL East right now. And um uh, I I feel for everyone that's not like you know, I guess the Braves and the Dodgers, but even then, I don't feel like I, I. It's for the Braves. I'm I'm nervous as a Braves fan, even. So yeah, it is what it is. The the rich get richer. Um, you know, if anyone's curious, uh, AJ Pollock was due ten million this season. He has a player option for next year. That's also uh, ten million pay. Uh, meanwhile, Craig Kimbrell is going to make sixteen million this year. Um, so that was kind of the the deal too. Is you know, I guess uh, the White Sox were like, I mean, if I'm the White Sox, I'm like, okay, so I have like, the White Sox are the only team that I would say has a better bullpen than like the Dodgers or the Braves. Like they have, I mean, just an insane bullpen. So they're like, okay, well, we got rid of a guy that's not even, I mean, I wouldn't even say he's in their top two in terms of their bullpen pitchers. Um, And uh, in the meantime, get a guy that, you know, I mean, AJ Pollock has literally played pretty much every position on a baseball field. Like he has played second, second, third, short, left, right, and center. Um, so, I get, mean, get, get, hey, listen, how, how do the White Sox need to get AJ Pollock on the mound? <laughs> That's yeah, what, like, right, get get bro, him throwing. Like one dude, of those, like like one of those like games where it's like fourteen to thirteen, and it's like the last game of a homestand, and like the pitcher, there's just nobody in the bullpen. That's where we need to see AJ Pollock just come out and throw upper ninety straight gas. Well, that's what's going to be interesting. So, like, 
I think Pollock will probably actually like be kind of looked at as like a second baseman, like pri- pri- like like it's like a priority like second baseman. Right. But but because I mean Yoan Makata is on, at third base, he's not leaving there. Uh Tim Anderson is not leaving shortstop obviously. Mm-hmm. And in the outfield, I mean uh Louis Robert is going to be like in center field forever. Eloy is going to be in left more than likely. But the thing is, is that what you can now do is you can now say, hey, Eloy, just be the DH like full time um, because Eloy's defensive capabilities are not especially great. Um, and I, I love the shit out of Eloy Jimenez. But uh, but that's uh, that's going to be useful there. But that's the thing is that Gavin Sheets is kind of kind of their dh like he's kind of like supposed to be the dh for them so yeah it'll be interesting to see how they how how aj pollock fits in and if it's all over the place or if it's you know whatever but i mean like i said the white Sox. i mean they're gonna be fine they've got garrett crochet kendall graveman liam hendricks joe kelly dallas kukul um or no dallas kukul's a starter uh uh, michael kopech does flex between starting and relief i mean they are Juicy. Well, that's They're the thing. Like you juicy. still, like yeah, you you lose a, a, a great reliever in Craig Kimbrell, but like you have Liam Hendricks. Like like oh, I, it's almost like God damn it, Chicago, fuck you, for just working in silence, amassing a a great bullpen and a great starting rotation. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there. It's fine. I think it's a I think that's why it was a one on one trade. Like we said, going back to the the first point you brought up, Ab is like it's it's a, I think it's a fair trade. It works for both sides, and it works for what both sides kind of have in line for what they're hoping to get out of this season and while i wouldn't describe this as good or bad news it's just exciting news um we have some more it's i can't describe it as exciting but it is news um jacob de dealing with the tight shoulder getting an mri today the day of recording uh April and, 1st. I, and i'll tell you what um, yeah i was gonna say i'll tell you what folks we are not not out here making an April Fool's joke, unless yeah. un, un, unless you're a fan of like the Yankees or like anybody in the NL East who despises the Mets. I guess this is a great day for you. But yeah, tough one for uh, tough one for the Mets. Tough one for the for the sport of baseball right there because uh, there's there's been no one who puts on a masterclass performance on the mound more than a guy like Jacob Degrom. I mean, he's been uh, one of the top two or three guys, if not the best guy in the MLB over the past few seasons. So tough yeah. tough there for the Mets. When Jacob Degrom is healthy and pitching, he's the best pitcher in the MLB. Until until I see otherwise, like he's he's the guy. I mean, he, mm-hmm. just in last season in 15 outings, he had a 1.08 ERA before uh, the elbow injury. That is um, lud- that's just ludicrous. It's truly insane. Um, and then on top of that, he. Uh, he he gave up one run in uh, five innings of uh, Grapefruit League games this uh, this this uh, spring training so far, but he struck out ten batters in five innings. So I think you know he still got the juice. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's tough. Hopefully it's nothing. Hopefully they're just being cautious, and that's the smart thing to do. But it is really even as a you know I don't like the Mets as a Braves fan, but. Um, but uh, Jacob Degrom, baseball needs him. You know, I mean, he is. You know, he pitches in one of the major markets, and no one else like watching Jacob Degrom is like flip over the TV worthy. I don't know how many pitchers in the MLB I truly feel that way about. Like where I could tell like a neutral sports fan, like, hey, I know you're not a big baseball fan, but do you want to see like, you know, 
the the pitcher of the decade like doing his thing. Yeah, would would you, would you like to see a masterclass performance of like literally just beauty, grace, and athleticism all mixed into one shining performance on a diamond? Well, let me let me get you over to the SNY network for Jacob Degrom pitching a, a no hitter through eight against the Nats right now. I mean, it's true though. I mean, that is that is absolutely the the appeal Degrom has for the for the game of baseball. I also love the way he spells his name too, with like the two. I don't know why. I, I always think that's swagger on a jersey, but like the D and the E is lowercase and the big ass G. I think that looks sick on a jersey. No, no, uh, it's like a, it's, it's like, either it's, like it's, it's an aesthetic thing for me, I guess. But it's yeah, sick. it's well, it's just tight because it's like it makes me. I think it's like either it's either Dutch or like probably Belgian, um, and uh, that's always just a, a cool vibe in terms of your etymology. It is interesting to note too that Degrom literally like six days ago announced that he's uh, opting out of his contract at the end of the season and will test free agency. He said that he's happy to come back to the Mets, but that <laughs> he's, he's gonna just going get to get so much fucking money. He's going to get, get so much. $400 billion. As long <laughs> he's going to get so much money. Hey, not, not getting hurt, this, uh, not, not being hurt too bad would be a, a good way to, to ensure that. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick before we go to break, uh, baseball-wise, is uh, uh, the MLB umpires are going to announce replay decisions um, to fans so like after they go to replay they're gonna come out and like do what you know you do in college football college or mm-hmm. NFL where it's like yep. after further review the ruling on the field stands like which you know I a lot of people don't want replay in baseball at all a lot of people think we have to have it blah blah I think that clarity is a good way to at least if we're gonna have it like a good way to at least Bingo. Like, Fucking bingo. It. Right on the money. I, I'm one of those people, Lev. Uh, we've talked about this. I'm, a, I'm kind of a baseball purist. I don't like people touching the game. I've never really been a big fan uh, of the replay. But if we're going to do it, let's let's do it this way, right? Um, let's let's make sure that everybody's on the same page and, and addresses, yes, the issue of clarity. Now, my my thought when I, when I heard about this rule uh, get passed by the owners and it's initiated for this year... <sighs> Is you, we're so very accustomed because we've watched so much football in our lives. Like the refs, uh, football games, the head officials who come on have, you know, for the most part, I haven't really heard anybody who has like an, an, a different sounding voice or something that's like obscure that makes you go like, whoa, like D- Tony Smith is on talking right now. We need to listen to this guy. But we don't really normally hear an umpire unless he has a loud ring up. But that's more just him yelling like "ha," or if he's getting in uh, an argument with a manager, which is you know something that you don't necessarily hear unless you get a microphone down on the field. I'll be very curious to know if like there's like an umpire or two out there that just has like the weirdest sounding voice, and he comes on and just it's like a. After review of the play, we did find that the ball did cross the yellow line over the right field fence. It is a home run. Four runs will be credited <laughs> to the Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> I like that a lot. I, I, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, we're about to hear maybe some funny, funny voices from these <laughs> from these umpires. I, I, I was really trying hard to like envision it, like in my head, and give it to and, and give it out in my voice here. But uh, yeah, it's but like going back, off the comedy, going back to the original point is yes, it, it's I I like it. Because if we're going to do replay, you might as well go through with this. And you know what, Ev? You know what sport does kick ass other than baseball? Football. Football kicks ass. You know what people like about football is when a ref will explain what they just saw. So, hey, I, I don't think that's uh, – I don't think it's going to translate any worse in the world of baseball. 
I don't think so either. I think at least for right now, that's a that's a good good way to uh, to 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 deal with this if it's if it's going to be like this, right? So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if it just makes people more mad at the refs because you know they can make a you know what's more frustrating than a boneheaded decision is a boneheaded decision that then like try and gets excused, you know, via the 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 post post decision commentary, I guess. But right. Um, so uh yeah, we'll uh we'll see what's up. We'll see yep. if uh if yeah, and and yeah, let's let's put a little bit of spotlight on the umps, huh? I'm I'm into what you're saying too, Dom, because it's just like, yeah, okay, you can't just like make you can't just say or do whatever you want now. You kinda have to like explain yourself. Well so. and, and what sucks too is that's like of course Joe West retired. Like why yeah, like, I would have yeah. like that sucks. I would have loved to have heard Joe West be like, I made this ruling because I hate Terry Francona. The guy's a piece of shit and everybody on the Guardians is ejected. Uh White Sox win the game nine two. I'm calling forfeit or some shit. Like Joe because I know just Joe West notoriously just does not care. And I would love to have heard him on a hot mic explaining a call. Uh but sadly we won't get that but uh is, wait, is, is uh, uh, Angel Hernandez is still umping, yeah, right? Yeah, An- Angel oh. Hernandez is absolutely oh, yeah. so. Oh. oh, fuck, yeah, that's going to be good. Yeah, you know what? That's I, I can be okay with that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be fantastic. Oh, I think it's uh, going to be. And don't forget the, the Otani rule, too, Ev. As, uh, oh, yeah, which is just that, uh, you know, if, uh, if a pitcher is pulled, um, from uh, from a game, aka if Shohei Otani is pulled from a game, he can basically still go to bat. Um, uh, you know, or or what? What's the deal exactly? Yeah. So no, you, you had it right there. So if a, if a, if a pitcher comes in and he is pulled from the lineup, he can then go back in and and uh, be reinserted as the DH, as DH in the lineup. Yeah. So and, it, and they, I mean, it's a Shohei Otani rule because the Angels were like, wait a minute. We invested all this money in this guy. Like we're getting maximum value out of him, and like, yeah, it's just I love it. Obviously, as an Angels fan, I'm ecstatic that Otani gets his own rule because the universal DH is in effect. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's basically what it is. It's just something cool, and people who love Shohei, people who love the game, it's you know, it'll be a cool to watch Shohei, you know, throw seven innings of a, uh, you know, of a gem and then he'll come in when the Angels are probably trailing for the eighth straight game in a row to the A's, come in and try to drop a bomb, uh, you know, to to win the game in the bottom of the ninth or what have you. So, it's a good rule there and uh, I'm, I'm excited excited for that. Also excited for the fact, too, I have a quick note about the Angels. Um, the Halos tied for first in the Cactus League right now, so we have been doing really, really good in spring trading, but I don't get my hopes up because uh, that just never translated well for us, so we'll have to wait and see. But by all means, things are going really, really well in the uh, in, in Tempe, Arizona for the Angels right now. So a Shohei rule, Angels on top of the Cactus League. So I'm a pretty happy Angels fan because uh, when we come back from the cash break, have we got to talk a little NBA, and I'll have to talk about my freaking Lakers just absolutely sucking it right now. So uh, unless you have anything to uh, to tell the jury, preach to the choir, uh, I think we're good to send it to the cash grab. I believe we are, Dom. Let's go make some money. All right, folks, when we come back, NBA, college basketball, and more. Down and out returns right after this. 
Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half of Down and Out is underway. We begin with some college basketball because, folks, the Final Four is upon us this weekend. Duke versus North Carolina. Kansas versus Villanova. Battle of the Blue Bloods. We've talked uh, you know, about the storylines, gotten the breakdowns of each team's path to get here, Ev. But now we're talking the nitty-gritty. Who is coming out on top? Who will be the national champion when we record next week because we very well could be recording Monday or we, before the championship game or we're probably recording Tuesday after the national championship has been crowned. So it's good just to talk about it and get it out of the way. Uh, first off, this is a great Final Four. I think we can all agree. And like I said, this is this is good basketball. What team right now is still your front runner in this Final Four to go win and cut down the nets? Um, I, uh, I think my front runner... Okay, here's I'm gonna give like I, I've said this before. I said last week when we were talking about narrative and storylines and stuff. I want Duke to win. That's yep. where I'm at. Duke's yep. got the best storyline. That being said, if I had to say straight up, like okay, this is this is like how I see it going down. Duke, uh, Duke beating UNC. Duke playing Kansas. Kansas beats Villanova. Kansas beats Duke in the final. That's what I got. Self that's finally, that. self finally beats Coach K. Okay. All right. I think, I think, uh, I think that's how it goes. I think Duke's like, I think they're both like talent wise probably equally matched. Duke might even be better, but I think Kansas is uh, defensively just an overall stronger team and doesn't have like Duke will have these mental lapses when you watch them play where. And it it happens all the time in college basketball, but Kansas seems to avoid it a little bit better than other teams where Duke will have a four minute stretch where they can like only put up like two points. Yep. Like Kansas never does that. Like Kansas always is like, okay, well, we might only score six points over a four minute span, but we're we're at least like scoring. You know what I mean? Like and uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I don't know. I could be dead, dead, dead wrong, and I kind of hope I am. I really do hope I. I really do hope Duke beats Kansas in the cha- in the chipper. But I think Kansas uh, 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 beats Duke in the chipper after uh, you know probably in probably a pretty tight game, probably like somewhat low scoring, like you know maybe. I don't even know if we're getting into the seventies, Dom. Like I'm thinking, like sixty-eight. A little, little defensive battle. Okay. Sixty-eight, sixty-two is what I'm thinking. That's the 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 image that's popping into my mind as my final score. Put the mortgage on it, folks. Yeah, I'm in the same school of thought with you about Duke beating North Carolina. Uh, I I don't see the scenario where it's like a North Carolina Villanova rematch in the national championship from a couple of years ago. Uh, I I think Duke handles North Carolina, gets their revenge. 
Uh, in terms of Villanova, Kansas, though, I mean, John Rothstein, man, always says it, Villanova, Fortune 500 company. I, I have just no faith in, in Kansas' ability when they get to this stage until proven otherwise. So I'm going to take it's a Duke versus Villanova, and I'm actually going to unfortunately stick with Duke. I think Duke comes out and wins this national championship. I think they're the best overall, like, in terms of just exponentially talented team. They probably have the best roster. The, the mental lapses you've brought up, Ev, I, I think it's just because they're so young. And that's why people will overlook their rosters because there's still a lot of young guys. But there's a lot of future NBA players in there. I mean, Paolo Banchero is is about as – I've talked about him a lot on this podcast. He's about as good as it gets. And they're – there, there's there's a few coaches who I think shine in these opportunities. I mean, and, and you get four of them who are very, very good in these big situations. But I'll take Jay Wright versus Coach K, and I'll take Coach K for the win. So Duke, national champion for me. That hurts to say so much because I despise Duke, but I have to sound like I know what I'm talking about because this whole tournament has just been atrocious for me and my ability to sound l- – to sound knowledgeable about what I'm talking about because every pick I've had has been wrong other than Duke. So we shall we shall see come uh, Saturday, Saturday night they tip off, correct, right? Is that? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Saturday night for the Final Four and then, yeah, the chipper on uh, Monday night. So good. Either way, I'm excited for whatever national championship matchup shakes up. It'll be it'll be a good time and uh, looking forward to it. So I think that was real. I mean, we did a lot of our talk most of the last episode too. So if you need to hear more about the breakdown, the storylines, narratives, like Evan said, all that, go make sure you go check out uh, our episode from earlier in this week. We did more of a breakdown of that, but wanted to give you all our final predictions as we head into the weekend ahead of the final four. So like I said, Ev, a lot of these guys that we see in New Orleans this week, weekend could be playing at the next level in a year or two or even this upcoming season in the NBA and speaking of the NBA Ev shit is getting real the playoffs are on the horizon like so close weeks a week and a half away and I'm just gonna start with the obvious and start with the pain here that in the west the Los Angeles Lakers have pulled off are going to pull off one of the ugliest seasons from a talented national or an NBA caliber championship roster of talent that is the most disappointing outcome that I've ever I could ever imagine from a team they are 11 and 27 on the road just 20 and 18 at home they've lost four of their last uh five games two and eight in their last 10 this sucks. It sucks being a Lakers fan, man. I they they just get. But the thing is that they've given up at this point. Like they just they LeBron yeah. sat out because injury. AD's injured. <laughs> Russ is Russ. This whole team has just given up. We're I guess we have to look to next season. But goddamn, what a waste of a season and what a waste of talent. Yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty disappointing. I mean, I, even as someone who doesn't care for the Lakers, like it's shocking to see from an outside perspective that they just couldn't get it together at any point. I mean, it's just it's been an entire season of this. Like, I mean, it's why it's been weirdly consistent. Like how bad the Lakers have been. Um, so yeah, it's um it's tough. I mean, I still think they're gonna sneak in there. Like right now, they're tied with the Spurs. Uh, uh, uh you know, thirty one and forty five. Um. You know, I, I don't think the Spurs necessarily have a crazy tough schedule the rest of the way, but I don't think the Lakers do either. Um, but when you're 31 and 45, what is a crazy tough schedule, right? Yeah, I mean, I, know. I, sure. I, I mean it's literally it's it's playing like the G League 
Golden State Warrior team and having a, co- a competition against them. The thing with the Lakers, they just can't stop anybody. Like we we have let up a, almost 115 points per game on average this year. The only team that has given up more points than us per average in the Western Conference are the Sacramento Kings, who are 28 and 49 in the East. That would be good for the worst mark in the East. So. Uh, it, that if you go to the off season and you aren't going to address the need to be better sounded defensively, I don't know what I, I don't know what the organization I don't know what Genie Bus and that organization is doing right now because it's uh it's pretty atrocious. Oh, uh, the the Trailblazers have let up. 0.3 points more per average than the Lakers, but still, it doesn't matter. It's atrocious, and I'm upset, but whatever. If we sneak in, we sneak in, and we'll probably lose. I hope we do at this point, because it's not like it's going to matter. We're going to get our shit waxed by Phoenix, who Ev is just continuing to run away with the West. It's unreal. They're up eight and a half games on the Grizzlies, 9-1 in their last 10. Uh, I, 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 what more is there to say about Phoenix? I mean, this team is is poised to correct the wrongs from last year and, and go finish the job. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I think you're I think you're correct, and and uh, they they look like a team on a mission. You know, I don't, I, destiny, whatever you want to say. Uh, just to put it in context, so next three games for San Antonio, they have Portland at home twice. They play Portland at home tonight and on Sunday, um, and then they go on the road on. Uh, on Tuesday to Denver. So, you know, not necessarily, I mean, Portland's not a great team either, but I mean, you know, you know, they could split and then lose against uh, uh, Denver and go one and two. However, (laughs) Los Angeles has, uh, uh, has the Pelicans at home, which has been like a nightmare matchup for the, for Los Angeles, for the Lakers for some reason this year Mm -hmm. is that the Pelicans just continue to like beat the Lakers semi consistently. Um, and then the the two games after that are Denver goes to LA. That's going to be tough. And then finally on Tuesday, LA gets to go to Phoenix. So I don't know. LA's got to think like, okay, we got to go one and two at bare minimum. You got to think like, you know, you're you're you got to beat the Pelicans, and then really you got to be thinking we got to split. Like it, it, truly, if you're doing what you need to do, like you beat the Nugs. Like because you're probably not going to beat Phoenix on the road. Um, no, so. probably, yeah, definitely, definitely not there. And, and and it's just, I mean, just beating, beating. I don't even care where you are against the Suns. Like, <laughs> they actually have a better away record than they do their, at home. Their home so, record and their away record are so similar, it's crazy. Like, uh, 31 and 8, 31 and 6. I mean, Jesus. Like, it's just, they're, they're, they're a good team. They are good at basketball, if you hadn't heard. Yeah. Um, but speaking it, of good teams, too, as we were talking about it before we started recording, as we were kind of discussing our plan here, I do, I do. you mentioned it, and I think we need to bring it up, is you know the Mavs have clinched a playoff spot, and they've solidified themselves right up as a tie with Golden State for that third spot. Because Golden State has hit a, a nasty slope. They've lost four in a row, three and seven in their last ten. Meanwhile, Dallas has flipped that, has won three in a row, seven and three in their last ten. Dallas is looking like one of those teams where, you know, we we talked very, I think, similarly about Memphis when Memphis was 
kind of coming up and solidifying that two spot is, you know, Dallas is out here like, hey, do not forget about us. <laughs> Luca's like, do not forget that I am fucking here and we are good <laughs> and we are playing good basketball right now. No, the Mavs, the Mavs are hot right now. I mean, they're they're seven and three in their past. Uh, they won three in a row. In general, the back half of the season has been much better than their first half. They were kind of, if we were, if you remember correctly, they kind of in the first forty games kind of got off to a pretty slow start. Um, like, I mean, I think it was like five hundred. You know, they were 500, but still, you know, not exactly their best work. And then in the time since, they have been really, really impressive. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you've got it, – it's funny, too, because it's like, you know, it, it, it really kind of is like Luka is the rock. Like, there's other players that are coming in and out, but but no one has really, like, just been, like, the consistent starter, uh, you know, night in, night out. Dorian Finney-Smith, but that's a guy who's, you know, he's 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 putting up 11, you know, 11 and 5, you know, every game. Right. That's that's his role. Um, but they've got just a – they've got solid depth. You know, I like uh, – when you look past, like, the guys that they're putting out there with Luka, like, the guys coming in, you know, they give – the Mavs a chance to say, okay, Luca can rest for three minutes, but we're not going to be down 10 points when he comes back. You know, we can, we can let him come back to a, a game. He can actually manage and take over. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see, maybe they make some noise. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, getting that three spot is way, way, way important because I mean, so warriors are going to play the jazz Suns are, Oh no. How does that? How does it work? Oh, no. So the play in tournament. I'm thinking about that. So, yeah. So Warriors are going to play the Jazz as of current standing. Suns will play the, you know, the the, the lowest ranked play in Western Conference team. Mm-hmm. And then the winner of Warriors Jazz will have to play the Suns. And I mean, if you're the Warriors and, you know, considering how well they looked at the beginning of the season, how hot some of their shooters have been this year to be like, oh, great. We get to play the Suns in the second round. Like, yeah. That sucks. I mean, so, you know, the, it, it's a huge deal. Three versus four is probably the biggest discrepancy um, of, of like, either conference's, like, jump. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, the East, obviously, I mean, you've got literally two games splitting first, two and a half games splitting first and fourth right now. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that matters a lot, too. But you're going to have to see those dudes at some point. The East is at least, like, you know, I mean – uh, it, no matter who you play in the East to open up your a little like even the Miami Heat if they're playing like the Brooklyn Nets to like open up the playoffs you're like well shit this is a challenge like yep. I gotta I gotta face off against KD and Kyrie um, but but uh, which uh, you know they're 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 I don't know I don't know how I feel about the Nets either man they are kind of. They're they're like the Lakers of the East, but like. But they've actually that's you took the words out of my mouth because I was literally about to say like they're actually the Lakers because they have a roster that you would think is like holy shit talented and they've showed flashes of it. But the thing is, is what they've done with their flashes, they've built on that, done a little bit more better in the consistency factor, and actually won a whole bunch more fucking games than the Lakers had. So yeah, it's it's that that's what I was thinking with the Nets too. Is like if. We, we said it, I think, you know, about a month and a half, two months ago when we were, me and you would talk about the Lakers, right? And we were saying, like, you know, nobody wants to play the Lakers in the play-in tournament as, like, an 8 and 7 seed because of the talent that's on that roster. Well, now if I'm the Suns, if I'm the Grizzlies and Mass, I'm like, oh, yeah, give me the Lakers because this team is a fucking dumpster fire. That being said, whether it's Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, whatever team, you know, even if the Bulls go on some run, right? Whatever team is the one seed, I'll tell you what, though. Brooklyn as the eight, that's not 
I, I would I'd, I'd rather be the two, Ev. I'd rather be the two to take on Cleveland. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd really rather take on Cleveland the first round because you just don't – like the Nets are so uh, – have that – that X factor ability to be great that it's scary. It's scary to think what they could do as an eight or a seven seed. So well, that's that's what I was gonna say. Of all the Eastern play in teams remaining, Cavs, Nets, Hornets, Hawks, I mean, number one, you don't want to see us in Nets. You really, I mean, the Cavs are a good team. Like, you don't really want to play them oh, either. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't want to disrespect the Cavs or Cavs fans out there for... The Hornets and Hawks are like one-trick ponies in the way of it's, you know, Lamelo and Bridges and, and Atlanta. It's it's Trey Young and, and that's it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know that if you shut them down, you've got, you know, you've... You're in an okay spot, but with the with the Cavs, you know, are winning because they're a completely like solid team. The Nets obviously just have two of the best, you know, two Hall of Famers playing on the same squad. Um, so My, and, and you have to always wonder with the Nets, Ev, and I think we're this is a question we're going to ask until the playoffs really start, because then it just won't matter anymore. But I look at the Nets, right? They're 17 and 21 at home. Had things been different with Kyrie and the vaccine thing, right? You know, if he's able to play more games in Brooklyn, you wonder what kind of difference that would have made, right? Because obviously, with a twenty-three and sixteen away record, when Kyrie's on the on the floor in their lineup, he's better. He makes the Brooklyn Nets better. I would have liked to, you know, you wish you could go in like the the magic crystal ball and see the 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 scenario of. Kyrie Irving playing more games in Brooklyn, but we just don't, right? And that's right. for that reason alone. That's why I'm like mm, that. That gets me nervous if I'm a top contender in the East and I have to unfortunately match up with Brooklyn because in reality, Brooklyn probably shouldn't be in the play-in tournament. F. I think they should be maybe sitting that four, five to six spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um... That's I, I that's I I think that's at least what they would do. I mean, if you think about it from a different perspective of it goes beyond just like Kyrie being in games, but like the the team mentality, the preparation coming coming into the season, the whole like just like commitment to the vision, you know, I mean, the Nets could have been. I mean, that's the thing is that the East is still up for grabs. Like, if the if the Nets weren't fucking around for like basically three months, <laughs> yeah. then they'd probably be as far up as like one, two, three, four. They'd be in the mix too. Mm-hmm. It could be a five team race, or probably still probably be a four team race, and somebody would be knocked out. But but yeah, um, definitely uh, definitely. I mean, you know, we still got a lot lot to uh, play for with just like three or four games left. So. Um, you know, hopefully your Lakers get in. Hopefully my Hawks are in. It's just a matter of, I don't know. Uh, String it together. Hey, you, but yeah. what, 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 what did we say last year when me and you were in St. Augustine watching the Hawks do their thing, right? It's, it, 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 it just takes one game. It just takes one game. It just takes one Trey Young having a mega performance and you know, he can do it. So not out of the equation. I would feel listen, I would feel better as a Hawk fan right now than I would as a Lakers fan because while you would expect the Lakers to be able to step up and win a play-in game, I just don't know with this damn team anymore. So we'll have to see. I it's I do this is this is awesome and this is the best time of the year for the NBA and especially in the East. Like I we know what where it is with the West. We kind of know what the playoff picture is going to look like, but the East is gonna be awesome. These I mean every game is going to matter. And that is the kind of basketball that makes it, one, fun to watch, but two, is more intriguing for you to follow along with. So I'm excited. I'm very, very excited for this final week or so of the regular season. 
Uh, agreed. Um, you know, we're also, Dom, uh, we're, we're getting some NBA Hall of Fame news. Um, uh, well, mostly because the, you know, the class is basically coming out. Um, and uh, there's some interesting, you know, some interesting choices here. Um, you know, I, uh, I think the one that, uh, you know, Dom kind of brought up to me that seems like it's getting the most chatter is, uh, Manu Ginobili is a first ballot, uh, uh, basketball hall of famer, which is, I mean, you know, don't get it twisted. I, Manu Ginobili is, is a legendary player, you know, a, a crucial part of the NBA in 2000s and 2010s, mm-hmm. but and it a, is an ambassador to the foreign game as well. Yeah, this is true. That's actually a great point. That actually does elevate his like his candidacy a lot. I, more. It was funny. But, I literally thought of that like, no more than about like right as you start talking about it, and I was like, oh, that's why he is because I was preparing all my points, and I was like, he is like an ambassador to foreign players being able to make you know big impacts and be kind of a star on an NBA roster. He's an ambassador to the race of Italians, you know, um, and uh, no, uh, um, but, but uh, and then also swing cash, you know, all, all time le- WNBA legend, you know, one of the one of the like, you know, if you kind of grew up knowing anything about the WNBA, you knew about swing cash. Um, and it sounds like there's more to come, but uh, those are the only two names currently being reported by Shams. Yeah, um, and uh, I and I'll, I'll add to it because there's more, and this is just reports; it's not confirmed. So, uh, yeah. Shams Shams came out with Swin and Manu, and also Tim Hardaway is on that oh, list as well. Okay, okay. Tim Hardaway is there, and then coaches. You've got George Carl and uh, West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins. Huggy oh, wow. getting into the basketball Hall of Fame. That is, but this is also reportedly reported. Nothing confirmed. But uh, yeah, I, I I think that's that's about it there. But the major point going back to it is, is Manu, and we'll talk about some of the other guys here. But towards the end, uh, he ended in 2017, and I look at his stats from about 2012 to 2017. He was averaging no more than 13 points a game. Uh, three point percentage was in the mid 30s. Um, sometimes the higher 30s, like in 2015. So I think what what sucked about Manu is because he had such a long career is we kind of remember the later years of his career where it was, you know, the, the Duncan was tailing off of the Spurs and he left, right? Tony Parker was done his time. You know, Popovich uh, was going through personal things and the the Spurs just weren't able to be the Spurs that we saw in the mid to, in the mid-2000s. That being said, you go back and look at his career from, I'll say, 2004 to 2010. I 16 points per game, 15, 16, 19 and a half, 15, 16, and that's not including his, his three-point shooting percentage, which was always high 30s into the 40s. Assists per game was close to four in almost every season. If you want to, you want to talk about one of the best facilitators of an offense that really wasn't talked about because the Spurs were just always this team that embodied all-around good basketball. You have to obviously talk about Manu Ginobili. And, oh yeah, and, he's and, and that's why he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it's it's tough because you can't you can't get sucked into the stats. I don't think because if you do that, then you're gonna be like, how the fuck is this guy a first ballot Hall of Famer? But it's what he meant to San Antonio, and I actually give the the Hall of Fame committee credit for being able to kind of decipher that. 
Right. Yeah, no, that's I think that's totally fair. Hey, so but breaking news. Breaking news. Okay, so it's also like breaking April Fool's joke. It's not quite clear yet, but LeBron James four minutes ago tweeted, I'm out for the season officially, see y'all in the fall. So probably April Fools. Probably April Fools. That being said, maybe not. Who knows? Who who knows? I mean like it's tough. I'm I, I'm not gonna believe it because it's. I've already been fool me once, shame on shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I uh, I'm not I'm not falling for LeBron's shit here. Uh, the Lakers still have a shot to get in the play-in tournament. If he really was out of like LeBron's, never going to see the end of this unless the injury is that severe. But by all means, the injury the injury notion of why he missed last night was nothing severe. It was more just like a a day to day rest. Um, so I, I don't want to I don't want to get crash on LeBron if he's really injured and he's hurting. But but. It, It'd be a bad look if it's just a little bump and bruise and he's just going to abandon the Lakers as they try to get in the play-in tournament. It's going to be a bad look for him. That's why I don't want to believe it. Nonetheless. We will will check in uh, in a few days as fools, no matter what uh, LeBron is actually trying to do here, if he's just making jokes or if he's, uh, you know, uh, actually actually injured, which, damn, that would be a crazy uh, turn of events. Um you know, though, Dom, before we go, it's it's big, it's real motherfucking soccer hours. I don't know if you knew this, but it's uh, it's it's World Cup draw day, which is the day that you know basically FIFA and uh, Cutter have gonna you know they've been spending like an hour on television saying like this is gonna be the greatest World Cup ever, and we definitely didn't like murder tons of workers to like <laughs> make it happen, and we definitely um, didn't have to play it in the fall and at nighttime to overcome our 120 degree temperatures. Yeah, it's it's great. You guys are gonna love it. Um, <laughs> but as we've been recording, they have been drawing the World Cup groups. Yes, yes, and, yes. And uh, the U.S. is officially here. Uh, and then I'll, I'll hit on some of the other ones that are coming out. Like, literally, they're finishing it up as we speak. Like, not all the groups are, are rounded out. But gotcha, gotcha. the U.S. has a pretty fun group this year. Mostly because, and I will say the Twitter reaction was really good. Because the first group drawn in the U.S.'s group, the U.S. was drawn second in the group. But before the U.S. was drawn, the first name in the group was England. So, the uh, Revolutionary War Part Three. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank it's, you. <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's on. Uh, grab your muskets and uh, and and get the cutter because it's uh. Evan, Evan, I'll, I'll if we had the actual funds and we could do more more creative freedom, I would one hundred percent dress up in colonial attire with you and start hawking tea bags into the Boston Harbor. I'll be booking a flight to Boston tonight to be I, doing uh, that. I'm ready to, man. I absolutely am. Um, uh, the other two, uh, so so you got Iran. Iran is also in the group, which is a uh, well, you know, for fucking. You want to, oof, Jesus? It's like it's like all of U.S.'s war conflicts in one group. It feels like. Yeah, it's definitely a a vibe. Um, <laughs> um, it's uh, and then finally the last group is also funny. Uh, or the last team, it's actually not decided yet. There's still some playoff uh, spots, you know, like they do like play-in games or whatever. Um, 
it'll be one of either Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine, um, which is funny in its own way just because of Wales and Scotland's relationship with England. Uh, that'll be buck wild. Um, Ukraine, Wales, and Scotland are all three decent teams. Iran is a pretty good team. Like, Iran actually has a better soccer team than, you know, you would maybe give it credit for. It's definitely not a group of death by any means, but I'm not going to call this a complete cakewalk either. I would say depending on who gets into the like in the who 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 arrives in that final group B spot um you know I, I think the US ought to be able to get a ought to be able to get second place in the group and advance to the next round no matter what but it's not mm. gonna be the easiest thing in the world um, no I, I I don't think you can talk about US men's soccer honestly Evan, and be like oh they have a cakewalk I don't I don't think US men's soccer has earned the right to start calling groups or in cakewalks. Um, yeah, and so uh, just to kind of highlight some of the other groups, uh, France is uh, leading Group D, and they kind of have a little bit of a cakewalk. Denmark is in there, and they're a good team, but they're not France's level. Tunisia, not at France's level. Mm-hmm. And then one of one of Peru, Australia, or the UAE will qualify in that last spot. Oh, um, brother, what a... Uh, Group A is Cutter's group. Uh, the You know, the host team always gets an automatic bid, um, and Cutter is pretty... Not good. Um, they've, <laughs> you know they've got a pretty small ass population. Um, we'll, we'll 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 try to find something nice to say about Qatar soon, maybe on the next but, uh, soccer quarter. That they've got Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. So not an insanely difficult group in terms of like overall quality, but the Netherlands and Senegal ought to be able to run that. Um, group C, Argentina, Mexico, Poland, and Saudi Arabia. So Mexico's got a fun little group. Poland is a, is a really good team. Argentina speaks for itself. Um, you can pretty much bet on Saudi Arabia finishing last in that group. Um, Spain, Costa Rica, slash New Zealand, one of those two. Uh, Germany and Japan in Group E. Germany, uh, Germany got eliminated in the 2018 World Cup by Japan. So that's a really fun little uh, 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 kind of rematch there. And Spain and Germany in the same group. Group and Japan, or and one of Costa Rica, or New Zealand. Costa Rica is pretty good, um, so that's a that's going to be fun. Um, group, I know I'm rapid firing these, but I'm just going. Um, Don't do it group, up. I love it. Group G: Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Um, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon, all like really solid teams. Like they're all like really good. Brazil, obviously, like one of the most talented teams in, in soccer, but kind of famous for the past like 20 years now. Like underachieving yeah Um, absolutely uh portugal ghana uruguay and south korea in group h that's a really fun group um you know i i i I have no clue who's going to get out there south korea legit has a good team uh ghana south korea is arguably the best team in uh in asia other maybe japan uh but but it's one of those two uruguay is you know great Typically, Portugal is great, typically. Ghana is uh, great, typically. And, uh, you know, what's interesting there, obviously, with Argentina and with Portugal, is that this will 99% chance be the last World Cups for... uh, Messi and Ronaldo? Yep. So and for wow. uh, in in Messi's group, uh, Robert Lewandowski, the legendary Polish striker, it'll also probably be his last World Cup because he's like thirty three. Uh, very last group to bring up is a uh, 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 group F: Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. So that's a uh, that's a fun little group too. Canada might be able to get out of there. That's gonna, someone between Belgium and Croatia is going to be hella disappointed if Canada does qualify. But um, I, I could see Canada, you know, sneaking out of there. So yeah, it's uh it's there's there's a there's a couple like groups there's like a couple groups where you're like holy shit that's insane. Like I would consider 
that Spain, Germany, Japan yeah, group. That was, that's, that's a group just, of death. That's, that's that's the one that popped off the eye to me. as like, that's my group of death, I think, is E. That's just, you know, you've Spain and Germany alone are just so international soccer perennial powers that you're just like, oh, shit. But you bring it up. Like, Japan knocked out Germany in, in, in last year's, or the last World Cup. So, it's it, it, that's... That's a that's a good group, fun group, and I'm happy the United States are not in that one. Yeah, no, the U.S. Honestly, I mean, you if the U.S. got what they wanted, they would be drawn into the Qatari group, like into the host country group. That means like, you know, you're getting a because they pull from pot A, pot B, pot C, pot D. Like that's how they like. There's team names in there, and then pot mm-hmm. A is like the number one seeds essentially, um, and the host team. So you always want to be drawn with the host team as long as it's not, you know, a in England. Um, but yeah, pretty favorable group. I think, uh, I think they ought to be able to, uh, to, to make something happen. Um, it'll be, uh, you know, it's, we've got what it, it starts in. So the U S first game will be the day after Thanksgiving. The U S will play England on like, uh, that Friday. So, um, yeah, get ready. I am ready. I am ready. I'm so ready to be able to put all my all my rooting interests and vested power into the Stars and Stripes because, as we talked about last episode, Italy didn't get in. I'm still dealing with it, but I'm getting over it, and I, I thank you all for the messages of, of, of positivity that us Italians and even half Italians like myself all needed to get through this time. I have a great breakdown there. Thank you very much. Uh, that, was a, that was going on literally the entire episode, so I was just waiting to get to this point where I was like, all right, I gotta let, we got to let Evan out of the cage here like world cup is drawn baby we get to get going so it's fun I, I'm, I'm excited the u.s gets to compete and it's even as like a, a soccer fan that to the level of i am like it's it's hard not to get giddy about the world cup you know like big international tournaments are if you're just a sports fan like it, they're so much fun to look forward to and get ready for and it, it puts more eyes in the sport of soccer and it's a, it's a win-win-win for almost everybody involved Yep, that is the, 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 the Stone Cold Truth. And you know what else is the Stone Cold Truth? Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is returning to the ring uh, for WrestleMania this weekend for the first time in like two decades. Shut so the that's fuck cool. up. Is he yeah, really? He's, yeah, he's yeah. going he's, he's gonna to wrestle this weekend, so that will be cool. But the actual Stone Cold Truth I wanted to bring up is that uh, we we have a Twitter account. Um, it's uh, at Down and Out Podcasts, um, at D-O-W-N-N-O-U-T p-o-d-c-a-s-t um you can go follow us on there we share when episodes come out we you know we'll occasionally share some other funny stuff well hey if you have something to t- tell us you, you know hit us up and we'll uh, we'll respond and 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 uh, chat a little bit yeah. um and while you're doing that you can also go give us a five-star rating on um you know whether it's apple Podcasts or spotify or whatever you know uh, app you listen to this podcast on um those both of those things are extremely appreciated so um uh thank you yes thank you so much for that and thank you for always showing some love and support to our guys jd masters and buddha man of the mirrors our intro outro music you can hear them right now we thank them for their constant support friends of the program friends of ours go make sure you shout them out and go check them out on youtube soundcloud anywhere you stream our music anywhere you stream our podcast where you can leave a five-star review 
like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher. You can go check them out as well. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week when we talk about a national champion being crowned, the NBA season dwindling down, and more NFL free agency stuff, I'm sure, with the draft looming. There's The sports world is awesome right now. We look forward to bringing you all that content and more. But until next time, Arrivederci. Later. Look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now.